Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning, you're here with me, Danko, on Money and Me. And also joining me on this segment is our producer as well, Adrian Abraham. Good morning, Adrian. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Dan. Fantastic. I mean, we're so close to the weekend, but we also have a great interview lined up for our listeners today. Yes, we do. And uh, before we get right into the interview, let's talk about, because uh, everything is going to be based on crypto today, yes. right? So let's talk about, you know, whether you are you are in the space. How active are you in the crypto space? And I believe you've also recently attended the token uh, event as well, right? Yeah, token two zero four nine. What yeah. an event it was! Um, just before the Formula One, mm. you know, it's interesting because we often think that the crypto wave has finished, but yeah. the Web three space, crypto, blockchain, wow, the amount of people there, the content—it's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. And if you don't get in now, the fear is you're going to get left behind. Yeah. Um, I've invested in NFTs, and um, I reckon with crypto as well, um, it's a very interesting space to watch. It is. Uh, lots of developments. In fact, in fact uh, I was at the event myself as well, mm. and uh, it was quite overwhelming yeah. seeing the, the amount of uh, things that were going on as well. Now, after a nearly apocalyptic 2022, yep. that's all the collapse of one of the, one of the world's biggest uh, crypto's largest players. Questions about the future of this nascent industry has been swelling in everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. So, right? so we're going to dive into the Chainalysis Global Crypto Adoption Index, which combines on-chain data and real-world data to measure which countries are leading the world in grassroots crypto adoption. That also means we're going to find out exactly where average everyday people like you and I are embracing crypto the most. So without further ado, let's welcome on the show Diedrich Van Versch, International Director Crypto and Web3. Good morning, Diedrich. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Hey, yeah, really doing, uh, doing really, really well. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for joining us this morning, Diedrich. Now, we first turn our attention to the Chainalysis 2023 Geography of Cryptocurrency Report. And more specifically, I want to zoom into I want to zoom in on to the findings pertaining to the Central and Southern Asia and Oceanal regions. So interestingly, while the CSAO region is not a monolith when it comes to cryptocurrency adoption, your report detailed the fascinating adoption of crypto among these countries. So talk to us, what were some of the key findings of the report and what surprised you here? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing to make clear is what this report is really about. It's not just looking at the raw amount of cryptocurrency every individual from a country is receiving, because if you look at that, the wealthiest countries will dominate. What we really want to look at is grassroots level adoption. How is the average everyday person using cryptocurrency? And when we look at this adoption index, we weigh more highly countries that have a lower purchasing power. So countries that are perhaps less wealthy. Because what this means, if they're using crypto more, individuals are putting a higher percentage of their wealth into cryptocurrency. Mm. So what we find across the board is that global uh, adoption is down. Uh, it's been down since the, the doldrums of late 2022. And uh, it reached its peak in 2021 in the bull market. But it's down across the board except for in one category. And those are lower middle income countries. Most of the countries in the top 10 are in that list. And also worth noting is that most of the countries in the top 10 and top 20 are from this region right here, are from, as you mentioned, Central and Southern Asia and Oceania. Mm-hmm. The number one country in terms of global adoption is India. Mm-hmm. Vietnam's number three, Philippines at six, Indonesia at seven, Pakistan at eight, Thailand at 10. 
And what's really fascinating is that the use cases, the reasons these different countries are using cryptocurrency across the board vary wildly. So it's not like there's just one reason that these countries are getting involved in crypto or their their citizenry is deciding that crypto is a valuable asset class for them, which, which shows how far this asset class has really come as well. So if you ask me what surprised me about it, what surprised me but also encouraged me is seeing all these lower middle income countries uh, adopting crypto so highly. So there's a bit of a myth that crypto is just a playground for the rich or just a way that the rich become richer, but mm. not at all. It seems like individuals in not even the wealthiest of countries are, are finding real valuable use cases right here. And I think that bodes very well for the future of this industry. Diedrich, you mentioned there your key findings and of course what surprised you, but what's actually driving crypto usage in Central and Southern Asia as well as the Oceania regions? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a region of hundreds of millions of people, very diverse, very varied. And the reasons they're getting involved in crypto are as varied as the nations themselves. So let's say, for example, let's take a look at uh, the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Axie Infinity, if you're familiar with that, it's a Web3 play-to-earn game. That was extremely popular in the Philippines. I think that about 20% of Philippines' web traffic was going to gaming and gambling platforms. And the Philippines alone was responsible for about... of the web traffic going into uh, Axie Infinity. If you read our report, there's even an interview with a gentleman there from the Philippines who mentions if you go into a pedicab, you could see at the height of the Axie Infinity craze, uh, these these cab drivers having Axie Infinity right up there. So it's not like this was just some esoteric Web3 project. This was really entering into the mainstream everyday usage. So Web3 gaming is really popular in the Philippines. But then if we look at a country like like Pakistan, what we see is that individuals are predominantly using cryptocurrency as a hedge against inflation or or to protect and safeguard their assets. In Pakistan, we have an inflation rate this year, I think, of just under 30%. Um, and individuals are realizing, okay, we can't rely on our own fiat currency to safeguard our hard-earned, uh, our hard-earned gains. We need to we need to be looking at asset classes like cryptocurrency, perhaps stable coins as well, to safeguard our to safeguard our assets. And this is in a country, Pakistan, which does not have friendly cryptocurrency regulation. Mm. And still you're seeing a high level of adoption. So the reasons individuals are entering into crypto in this region are as are as varied as the, the nations themselves. And again, I, I see this as a positive sign for crypto. It shows that the use cases, there's a multitude of them and uh, there isn't just a one size fits all approach to crypto. Interesting. Thanks a lot for that, uh, Diedrich. Now, I'd like to dive in a little bit more about the Web3 gaming space as well, because I like that you mentioned about XC Infinity, you know, which kicked off the crypto adoption over in the Philippines. So, I mean, why have we seen the Philippines being so receptive to a play-to-earn game? And like, why haven't they taken off in the US? Why only here in Asia then? Yeah, so I think the reason the Philippines specifically had a lot of success with uh, with Axie Infinity. The Philippines has a young tech-savvy population, and they've already embraced digital wallets. They have a digital wallet for fiat, such as uh, called Gcash, I believe. Mm. So Philippines are already quite techy, quite online. Um, Axie Infinity actually really took hold during the height of the, uh, the pandemic. So many people were home, they were out of work. Axie Infinity provided not just entertainment, but also a way that they can make a little extra cash. And also it's been pointed out, Philippines is A, a country that's made up of many islands and B, a country that has a big diaspora or individuals working from abroad. This was a way for people to connect with each other. So I can't speak necessarily for why it's not as popular in the United States. I think also Axie Infinity had a 
and a very specific marketing strategy that mm. uh, that resonated in the Philippines using a lot of social media. Mm. But um, what's uh, what I see Axie Infinity as in the Philippines, because the usage has dropped down over the last the last few months. I see it almost as a gateway at which Philippines can can open up their doors to more crypto and more Web3 projects. They've become more, they, they've uh, introduced more friendly crypto regulation in the nation as well. And uh, I think we could really see the Philippines becoming one of the uh, foremost cryptocurrency hubs in this region, if not the world. Uh, tell us a little bit more about, in terms of what kind of stage um, you see Axie Infinity's success. How does this set for Web3 gaming adoption within the region yeah absolutely so with action infinity like like i mentioned it was extremely popular in the philippines to the point that it, it seemed somewhat inescapable if you speak to people there on the ground so i think what this goes to show is that there are you know there was a time where cryptocurrency was just seen as bitcoin or mm. cryptocurrency was just seen as something to do with finance and if you weren't really into finance you weren't into investing this wasn't something you were going to focus on but now we're seeing that the the use cases for crypto or maybe i should say web3 are far more all-encompassing so now we have let's say people who maybe weren't necessarily interested in bitcoin who weren't interested in investing but they were interested in gaming they now have their foot in the door of web3 and i think it opens up the door to a lot more use cases and it's going to open up the door to a lot more widespread adoption in this region that will start with gaming but could expand far far further Hmm. Interesting. Thanks a lot for that, Diedrich. Now then, talk to us about the comparison of the use cases between you know countries like the Philippines and that of uh, Pakistan as well, because I believe they're quite differing here in terms of how one is using for gaming and the other is actually just for um, you know just the economy and a necessity as well that's driving the adoption of uh, crypto as well. So, what do you make of this uh, variety of use cases here in Asia then? Yeah. So. If you want to compare Pakistan versus the Philippines to understand why they have different types of usage of crypto, the economic situation in Pakistan is simply more dire. I think the purchasing power per capita there is $5.60 roughly. Yeah. In the Philippines, it's $9.20. And as I mentioned, Pakistan has this uh, a large issue with inflation, a large issue with economic uncertainty. So individuals view cryptocurrency as uh, not just, again, a speculative asset class or a game. It is somewhat of a necessity, a way yeah. of safeguarding their assets, a way of ensuring that they have money to last them for the next month, money to hand over to their children. Mm. And I think what's really surprising is, as I alluded to earlier, Pakistan does not have friendly cryptocurrency regulation. Um, as crypto trading is formally banned in Pakistan. Mm. Yet still, what you're seeing is the demand for cryptocurrency is there, regardless of the regulation is there. And what this does, this really underscores the need for regulators to put in clear regulations in place because their citizenry are going to be using cryptocurrency whether they want to or not. Yeah. They might as well be doing so in a safeguard manner. Uh, you mentioned in the first answer about India. Let's talk about how their difficulties around um, tax laws. How was it able to you know, really emerge as the second largest crypto market in the world? What's driving uh, this surge in success? Yeah, it's, it's generally remarkable. So, I mean, sure, India has a massive population and in terms of their overall transaction volume, uh, I think they're second in the world behind the United States. But in terms of grassroots level adoption weighted by their purchasing power, they are number one. It's because there's an enormous demand for cryptocurrency in India. Now, as you mentioned, uh, the taxation scheme in India for crypto is not friendly at all. There's a 30% tax on crypto gains. And to be clear, that is a unique tax in India just on cryptocurrency. It's very high. 
high. On top of that, every cryptocurrency transaction has a 1% tax. It's called tax deducted at source. So to the best of my knowledge, I don't know many tax regimes that are as, as unfriendly to cryptocurrency as they are in India. Yet still, despite all of that, we see an enormous rate of adoption. So as I mentioned too earlier, Pakistan, uh, cryptocurrency the demand exists across the, regardless of whether the regulation is there, regardless of what the taxation system is going to be in place. Mm. And what's interesting in India, if you look at the report that we put together, it gets very granular on the types of cryptocurrency uh, activity, whether it be DeFi, NFTs, P2P. India ranks extremely high in all of these different categories. Wow. So it's not, as you can imagine, a country of more than a billion people, it's not that people are just into gaming or just into NFTs or just using it as a method to safeguard their assets. It's really a, a wide plethora of reasons people are entering into cryptocurrency as they are across this entire region, mm. which I find encouraging. And keep in mind, this is a high level of adoption. This is the level of adoption they have despite the unfriendly tax regime they have. Mm. Imagine if they turn around, they make it much more crypto-friendly, they introduce crypto-friendly laws, they, they take away a lot of the taxation they have in place. Who knows what we could see from uh, one of the world's most populated countries. I think, uh, again, this, this bodes really well for the future of this industry. And uh, last point I want to make on this, there was this dream in uh, when Bitcoin first, uh, first was formulated that it would bank the unbanked. It, yeah. it would help individuals in parts of the world that perhaps had been forgotten by the origin, by the traditional economic system or perhaps had been damaged due to economic mismanagement by their governments. Mm. And as we see crypto being used in countries like Pakistan and India and in this region for that very purpose, to assist those who would perhaps not had don't have as much access to traditional banking space, yeah. I, I think that that really speaks to the power of this asset class. and. Mm. And um, I think the dream of banking the unbanked is at least in part starting to be realized. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a very fascinating space. I mean, we're talking about 30% tax on gains. And that's a rate unique to crypto and higher than the country's tax rate and on other investments such as equities as well. On top of that, we've also got a 1% tax on all transactions. Really heavy tax uh, regulations over in India, but that apparently is not stopping demand there as well. Thanks a lot for that, Diedrich. Now, does this suggest that the US influence over the sector is waning and growth is set to happen here in the CSAO region? Look, when it comes to the U.S., it is worth pointing out the U.S. does rank very highly on their index, even when you factor in that they are a wealthier nation. I think they are number four in the world. And it's home to many crypto and Web3 businesses, headquarters, the developer community is really strong. So despite the fact that the United States itself does not have the friendliest crypto environment at the moment, I don't necessarily, I, I still believe they're going to play a very important role in this industry. Mm. However, what our index shows that APAC, APAC it's, or at least this region rather, it's a hotbed for innovation. And, and we are seeing individuals flocking towards crypto for a lot of those, for a lot of those uh, use cases I mentioned earlier as a safeguard against inflation, but also for Web3 gaming, also for NFTs. Um, so uh, in terms of whether the U.S. influence will, will wane, I can't speak to that specifically. All I can speak to is the fact that this region right here is going to be one of the most pivotal when it comes to the future of the cryptocurrency space. And that's why I'm really happy to be here. Diedrich, I want to talk a little bit about the report. What does it suggest about crypto regulation and the sort of receptiveness of regulators in this CSAO region and how it compares to that in the US and EU? Yeah, so I think one interesting 
finding is, as I alluded to earlier, there isn't necessarily a one-to-one link between the the clarity of the regulation or the friendliness of the regulation and the level of adoption. Again, India ranks very highly, despite having poor or rather unfriendly crypto regulations, as does Pakistan. So as I mentioned, I think the, the, the message a lot of regulators need to receive here is, Hey, listen, the demand for crypto is enormous. It's not growing anywhere. In fact, in a lot of countries, it's, it's even growing. You might as well put some friendly cr- cryptocurrency regulations in place. That being said, there are, of course, countries in this region that are really uh, leading away when it comes to, um, when it comes to uh, cryptocurrency regulation. Mm-hmm. The country we're in right now, Singapore, of course, is a, is, a, uh, is a vanguard when it comes to regulation in the cryptocurrency space. They recently released regulation around stablecoins, one of the first of its kind. Yeah. And while that, because Singapore as a wealthier country might not rank as highly in terms of grassroots level adoption, we are seeing a huge influx of cryptocurrency businesses wanting to be regulated here, mm. uh, as well as we're also seeing the same in Hong Kong, uh, more so than they might want to be regulated in some other jurisdictions that haven't been as open to uh, as open to crypto. So uh, I think um, I think what if there's a takeaway I want to, I, I want regulators or perhaps the global crypto community to take away from this is that the demand for crypto is enormous and it is incumbent upon regulators to put in clear regulation that are that is going to allow for the flourishing of this industry but also allow individuals to transact with crypto in a in a safe and secure manner mm, fascinating thanks for that Diedrich. now let's just tap into your crystal ball and how do you s- talk to us about how you see the usage and the wide-ranging economic needs of csao countries shaping the crypto ecosystem yeah yeah absolutely now, as I'm, I think a recurring theme I'm mentioning right here, mm. the, the potential in, uh, in this region is enormous. I think we've only just begun to tap into it. Yeah. If we see some more crypto-friendly regulations coming in, especially in places like India, especially in places like Pakistan, um, I think we could, uh, we could see a huge flourishing of crypto in this region, the likes of which we have not yet seen across the world. And on top of that, what we're increasingly seeing is elements of the traditional financial space enter into the cryptocurrency industry as well. I know in Singapore, the MAS have launched Project Guardian, which is effectively them working with different financial institutions in this region to discuss new potential blockchain use cases mm. uh, and other crypto projects they could be they could be initiating. And, you know, just a few years ago, financial institutions were very hesitant to enter the cryptocurrency space. But I think, like regulators, are seeing that demand is there, it's not going anywhere, and they're better off Joining this industry, um, trying to uh, try, trying to take advantage of the potential gains that are to, that are to be had here. So um, yeah, I, I I see this this region. I see it as potentially going to be the most important region when it comes to cryptocurrency adoption across the world. Fascinating conversation. Thank you so much. We've been speaking to Diedrich Van Versch, uh, International Director, Crypto and Web3, about the Chainalysis Global Crypto Adoption Index and how CSAO regions are embracing crypto. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.